You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 714 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On today's show, we are going to get advice on marketing and selling your horse with experts on the subject, Lindsay O'Keefe and Julie Channel. We've got a wonderful amateur spotlight for you today and a fantastic trainer tip with Patty Mayer. This is Reese Goffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing really well, Reese. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, uh, it's been a great couple of weeks. You know, we, we had that little bit of time off, and uh, now we're ready to prepare for our show season. You know, lots of great tips. Yeah. We've got an awesome show. I have to tell everybody, I sound terrible. I've been actually really sick. Um, I think I had the flu. Uh, I, I did not have COVID, but I had something also very, very bad. So I sound terrible. So excuse me. But Phil, you have had an amazing week. You just got came from the clinic with Christoph Hess. You're so jazzed and excited. And so I can't wait to have you talk because I sound awful, but to hear all about it because it was really amazing. So tell us about it. Um, I mean, it, it was really uh, an honor to be selected and to be participating in, uh, you know, in this clinic with one of the highest level judges ever, who is no no longer judging, but uh, now is involved in doing clinics and and training riders and horses, and so, um, you know, that's our to our benefit. I think he he normally does some stuff in Florida too. I, I'm sure. You've seen him, Reese, and uh, he's wonderful. He he's just wonderful. wonderful. He's just, I mean, really uh, classical dressage, you know, German trained. I mean, he trains German now, Germans now, uh, you know, in, in in educating about horses and, and and all of these things. So I was, you know, really excited, and and we had wonderful weather. So you know, what what, what better you know, what better than that? It's been around twenty <laughs> degrees, which is kind of perfect for horse riding and and, and you know just working on things and. Uh, yeah, it was it was really awesome, and uh, I wanted to just uh, maybe hit on some highlights from. Uh, yes, from- please. There are some <laughs> beautiful pictures of you riding online. So I was, you looked awesome. So tell us more about. The yeah, clinic. so uh, this uh, clinic was uh, organized by Top Line Events, who I have to give a shout out to. You know, obviously, but uh, they did a wonderful job, and it was held at uh, Ancaster Fairgrounds which I've never been to before. I've been aware of wow. this, uh, this site and, uh, the organization, the, the, the grounds were amazing. It was held indoors, which was a good idea for this time of year. But even, mm-hmm. e- even though we didn't need it, they did a, a wonderful job and, you know, lots of sponsors, lots of, of great stuff. So I'm going to try and get some photos on my Facebook page and, and, you know, all, all of that promotional stuff which I'm not great at, but uh, I'm, I'm working on <laughs> well, it. Well, there's one picture of you riding. It's a beautiful picture and you're actually riding one-handed. Can you tell us about that one? Because that one I want to put up on our page because it was so good. Okay. All right. Well, this picture will will go up in the show notes, I suppose. And uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know I knew from 
uh, reading Christoph Hess's book and, you know, we, we had him on the show here two years ago, something like that, promoting his book and, and stuff like that, which was fantastic, but a good, good preparation for uh, all, all the riders, uh, you know, because he's starts from, you know, the very basic and, and a good way to check on your balance and, and whatever, uh, you know, a good tip for any rider out there is to try to ride one handed which was great but uh you know in preparation i should have actually put the horse in a snapple because it would have been a lot easier to kind of figure out my rain lengths and all that because I, I was riding in the double and he just said okay phil uh, you know reins in one hand and, and off we go and then we we rode for almost the whole the whole lesson in in one handed Stop which was it. that's yeah. pretty baller good for you <laughs> that's awesome I mean to to say that I was out of my comfort zone was is is not an understatement. I the whole situation kind of had me really in my own head kind of nervous. So this is not this is a little bit of a spooky horse. He doesn't handle environments super, you know, horse show and like any of it super well. So I've you know kind of has had some trust issues with him and I didn't know how he would handle the the uh the clinic thing which you know, they had the, all the tables set up around the, you know, around the uh, dressage. Kind of VIP style tables right. around, yeah, the, around a, the ring. Yeah, lots of VIP, big environment. And then I just, you know, I did I did a little, uh, did some leg yielding warm up. That was big yep. from Christoph is like, you, you have to be able to get the horse to the outside rein and secure that kind of connection before you're going to do anything else. So we did that in, in walk and then in trot. He's big on leg yielding. I think it's a fantastic exercise for suffering the horse and just getting their attention, you know? So I had been practicing that all, you know, all week or, or two weeks prior. And then, you know, so I moved from leg yield into the shoulder in and, and, you know, that was uh, pretty secure. So that, that uh, helped me out a lot to get, get his attention and get him more or less relaxed. And then, onto the 20 meter circle and uh reins in one hand so you know just put all four reins in my outside hand Woo. yes that was that was challenging for me and uh <laughs> for you, you know in uh, yeah in, in a lot of ways it's uh you know it's good to to do these clinics and to try to inspire yeah. other people to be brave and there there's a real mix uh, of professionals and amateurs in this particular clinic so i think that was good on by the organizers to uh, try to show a little bit of, of everything because, you know, one of the big complaints of, of previous clinics being held in our area and by different groups is that, you know, they, they always choose the uh, professional riders and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and not, you know, super nice horses and there's never any real problems to fix. So, right. you know, I right. was, you know, a little bit inspired by those complaints and say, okay, well, I'm just going to, this horse is for sure not perfect. Um, and I'm not perfect. So let's, let's just challenge ourselves, which. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, The day before I was like, uh, you know, almost regretting it. Like, Oh, you know what happens if (laughs) this or, you know, this or that happens. And then just picturing a lot of disaster or just, you know, kind of running out of the ring, like all, all these issues that, that, uh, can happen and, and and whatever but uh so so i but was he, uh, but he didn't and he was good right i mean it was i good mean he was amazing yeah the, the horse didn't yeah. 
put a foot wrong. You didn't make, make me look bad, make the breeder owner <laughs> look bad or, you know, any of it. It was, yeah. it was an amazing experience. And, uh, yeah, Christoph, great, great coach and, and real positive, nothing bad to say about any of the riders, which, uh, you know, like he helped everyone. Yeah. Like from, from like, there's a, a, think- a 15 year old kid riding, uh, you know, a school horse or like, you know, That's almost awesome. a pony. And, and, uh, I mean, he, he gave the same amount of attention and, and the details were there and the explanations were there. I mean, it was it was just a fantastic experience for, I think, everybody involved. And, uh, you know, maybe the spectators won't criticize having perfect horses. And, you know, I mean, I've seen that situation. And, and yeah, you know, I, I get that criticism of different clinics being held or educational event, events being yeah. held. And uh, um, well, and it's I think it's always an interesting because we we say that too a lot of times when we're uh, you know go to clinics or and you know and you're like well gosh you know i don't see this on a daily basis sometimes it's amazing to be inspired and it really does depend on what the what the clinic organizers are trying or or the or the clinician wants right is is what's the best way to kind of get to their what they're trying to impart to the audience um which i think is really important and you know i think it is one of those things where you know, it is, it, it also depends on who signs up and, and who wants to come yeah. because, yeah. you know, for those big clinics, you are putting yourself out there a hundred percent. And that's scary, even for professional riders. And you and I literally this job, we put ourselves out there every week. Like we're fairly used to doing that. Uh, but it's still, it's tough to go out there. And especially, you know, it's, it's one thing to go out with a pretty trusty, trusty soldier, uh, but to put yourself out there is tricky. So I think a lot of people do make comments where they'll say things like, Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, well, hold on a second. Um, you know, sometimes it depends on what the clinician wants. And then sometimes it just depends on kind of the whole scenario. So I'm so glad you got to ride. And, and I think also knowing the clinician, uh, Christoph Hess is a true horseman. He is, if you ever get a chance to see him in person, he's lovely. We've worked with him on here on the podcast. Um, you've read his books. Like he's, he's a true teacher, which I think is really amazing. So very, very thankful for that. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, he started out the two days with talking about the social license to work with horses and how it's every single person's responsibility to make sure that we're riding horses and not forcing them like slaves to do their job. That was a bit of a theme of his talk. And I was just, you know, thought of bringing it back to um, Cassie, you know, like last last week on the show. Um, yes, she to Sandra Hummer Johnson. She went to the FEI uh, forum. Yeah, forum. where that was a yes. big topic. And 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 I think it should be uh, front of everyone's mind that um, if somebody walks into uh, a clinic or a horse show or, you know, whatever it is, they, they expect to see happy horses. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to, you know, to keep doing what we love. And, and, and you know, how do we work with horses, but also keep them happy? Uh, you know, in their work. And, you know, so there was a lot of discussion about that and encouragement about that's all of our responsibility to to make happy horses. Right. Well, I love it. Well, Phil, thanks for sharing the whole clinic with us. And um, I think we have a great show. So we're going to jump right into our show. And we hope you enjoy. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. 
Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we're very excited to have Lindsay O'Keefe and Julie Channel, both FEI rider and trainers on the line. Lindsay, I'm going to start with you. Welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. I actually just recently in the last year moved to the Wellington area and um, I'm a USDF bronze, silver and gold medalist since I was actually 15. It's pretty crazy. It's my one claim to fame. And, um, yeah, just enjoying the nice weather from Seattle to Wellington and starting my business down here has been exciting. So thanks for having me. And Lindsay, we did Young Riders together, right? Or is it my sister? Um, actually, my older sister did Young Riders with you. And yeah. then my, your Lindsay, your younger sister, did Young Riders with me. So, yeah, yeah. and I medaled um, when I went to Young Riders as well. So I think we were on the podium together the one year. So. I love that. That's very cool. And we're also very excited to have Julie Channel. She is Canadian and we are excited <laughs> to have you on the show. Julie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's pretty exciting to be doing my first podcast, I have to admit. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been uh I've been living in Wellington for over seven years now. I moved from the Maple Leaf, as you mentioned earlier, and I can't complain about the weather and the horses here. It's it's just out of this world and uh I've been doing horses my whole entire life basically as as far as I can remember. Competed multiple times through FEI levels doing, you know, the young rider stuff and all of that. And uh, I've just recently actually decided to go out on my own and uh, promote myself as a trainer. And uh, yeah, I just kind of started doing that like last month. So I'm pretty excited for the future. I love it. I love it. Well, what we wanted to bring you ladies on to the show is to talk about how to market your horse if you're selling your horse, how to make a good video, kind of the the nuts and bolts of, of doing that because you ladies are experts in that. And so Lindsay, how about I start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, okay, you've decided that you want to put your horse on the market. Tell us some of the first steps that we should take just from the very beginning. How do you do it? What do you do? What are some, some of the starting places? Well, for for me, if I were the trainer of this horse, or if it was just an all adult amateur uh, listing a horse, her horse or his horse on their own, I would actually seek a professional to get help, just because they're they're usually really experienced in this field and they can kind of um, steer you through maybe obstacles you wouldn't think of. Primarily for me is to make sure you have a sound horse, not only mind but body. Is it safe? Is it will it be able to pass a, a veterinary exam? And also just make sure that you're, what are your reasons for selling it? Those are the first three things for that I am always prompted by people that are coming to look at horses are wanting to know those three things. Okay. Now, would you advise to maybe get a vet out, uh, you know, to, to do a pre a pre-purchase uh, before you put yes. the horse on the market, just to, you know, to, to know what's going on with, with the horse or. 
uh, a, veter- yeah, have a veterinarian opinion. Yeah. Yeah, the, the level of horses that I personally deal with, and I know Julie does as well, because we work together on sales, is we would like that. It really, for me, when horses are, they have a pre-vet check, there's no surprises for the buyer. And actually, a lot of people are flying to look at these horses. So they it kind of gives their vet an inside view on before you even get on the horse. So you can either, you know, obviously, you're going to do a physical exam. And then on top of that, you're going to do radiographs or films. I always tell my clients this is something that to reassure the buyer that you are basically giving them insurance that this horse has been physically looked at by another vet. And if there are findings, it's no surprise to this buyer and they can kind of see up front, they can live with the issues that the vet found. Excellent. And Julie, tell us, okay, so now you've you've had your your vet check, you've had your sort of pre-check, you've decided to sell your horse for whatever reason. Okay, now we're talking videos and pictures. So talk to us a little bit about how you start with that. Well, I'm going to double down a little bit on what Lindsay said. I think it, you know, if you are an amateur and you haven't been you've never really dealt with the sale of an animal. I think it, I would highly also recommend to have a professional help you with the whole thing because it, it is a bigger task than it sounds like, you know, um, for the video, I think I always look for details as though like first looks, right? So your first impression, you want to make a good first impression with your video. I think great quality photos are always a bonus. You want to look for pictures that make the horse look good, that, you know, the, the leg postures are good, the, the neck looks good, the horse is uphill, and it, it's all, uh, it, it makes the horse as good as it can be. And then for videos, I think it's always important, A, to have good quality video. You don't want something that's going to be lagging or that has pixels in it. For me, I always look for videos that go straight to the point. I don't want a 12-minute video of your third-level horse. It's not necessary. And I think, you know, you're going to be looking for the horse to always be coming towards you or to be on the side. So things like your horse going away from you and you're not putting his horse, your horse's best foot forward by presenting him like that. And then, of course, on top of that, you know, white wraps, braids are always a bonus. Like you want your horse to look like he's going to like a five-star dinner. You know, you want to attract people. You want to make him look the best that he can be. Okay. Well, then that, that, that makes sense. So, and how much editing should you like, do, do you guys personally do? You know, the, the, so I, 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 I see a lot of slow, slow motion video. I, I personally hate that, you know, that, that kind of thing. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> I do not, I do not like slow motion. I would not recommend. I think it's a waste of time. People do not need to be seeing all the little like finer movements, like a nice bold extension in the normal video, I think is perfectly fine. And for, as far as the editing goes, I like to, you know, like I said earlier, just go straight to the point. So if you're going to show a half pass, you start from, let's say you're going a corner to the other side of the arena. Well, you're going to show the horse coming around the corner, then executing the half pass, and then leaving a couple strides afterwards to really show that the the entirety of the movement. Okay, okay, too, that's good. Yeah, that's good Julie to know. And I have done the- 
done a lot of sale videos together and make sure that you are doing a third level sale video, then you're going to do the half back from the center line to the, to the rail, not from the corner. I mean, you want to do things that kind of match the horse's scale of training. Don't yeah. try to show your horse doing more than he's capable of doing. If you're advertising in the third level, he does not need to do a Grand Prix half pass. And I'm the same with Julie. Like when I look at a video, I want to see, I don't want to see a warm up and longing and lowing and doing all this, like pick, go right to the point of, you know, okay, we, Julie and I like to do one long side of, of the trot, one long side of the canter to start the video. And then it kind of like wakes up your viewer. And then if they're third level per se, that's where we're at right now. Then we do like the half pass from the central line and I'm videoing from the front of the horse. So you can see the articulation, you can see the bend, you can see the crossing over. And then you show them this going straight on the line, a couple of strides. So you can see how this horse transitions from movement to straightness. And I know that we do the extensions towards the camera on the short side. These are things that you kind of want to showcase. And again, like start in the middle of the long or short side to do that just so you have like a clear view so you get your video should not be longer than i would say three minutes is max and i would say a minute per gate and then the walk is yeah. about what 15 20 seconds and grand prix horses and stuff of course that's a little different um but the generalized sale video should really not be longer than three minutes i mean i'm asleep by then so um, <laughs> yeah exactly no it's true people, I, it, it's just a snapshot right Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You want to leave them wanting more. You want them to come out, you know, to see your horse. (laughs) I think that like when you are editing as a seller, uh, your videos, you know, try to start, like if your horse has an amazing extended trot, open up your video with that, like show your best qualities, like right away. Or if the horse has an incredible, like extended canter, like you open up with that. You know, you want to pique the buyer's interest as much as possible from the get-go. Okay, some. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, no, um, I, sorry. I was just going to say, if what, your horse what say? has an amazing walk, shouldn't you, should you start with that? I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit boring. Okay. But, may, uh, may, maybe not the walk. I okay. would definitely either go, go to trot, go. I always keep the walk to the end. It's a very important part, but like, it's not something that's going to go like, you know, wow, <laughs> right. for most people. So right. I, I always either do like a trot extension to begin with or a canter extension, and then you start throwing your movements in there and stuff like that. I mean, y- you guys, it's been a really long time. Actually, I never dated online, but I'm assuming this is what happens when you date. You're trying to get your yeah, best much. qualities <laughs> out there quickly, right? You're trying to just present yes. yourself in a really you want to present you, but you want to present the best stuff about you. Again, it's been yeah. a long, I, n- I never really did that. But anyways, it's the same concept, <laughs> right? And it's just like, it's just getting that concept out there of, okay, this is what we want to show the best about this horse. And um, so what do you guys think about doing a test? I mean, have you ever seen, do, do you recommend that? Do you send tests out if you have them? What's your thoughts on that? I, I um, sent tests out in the horses. I don't have you, Julie. I mean, I have, but I normally only really send them if they request them. I think uh-huh. you have a bit of a better advantage when you control what you send to your viewers. Because, like you were saying, it's like online dating, right? Like you don't. If, if someone wants to show 
that a horse has been to a show, I have no problem sending that video over. But personally, I think if I have the chance of putting my horse's foot, best foot forward first and saying like, look, this is a highlight of all of his best qualities. That's what I'm going to send to people first to really catch their attention. Yeah, that makes sense. And okay, I need, I need a poll. Uh, Lindsay, I'll let you answer first. To braid or not to braid? For me, it's, it depends on the horse's top line. Okay. There are some horses that have, you know, I always say, just going back a little bit to confirmation in photos and stuff, when I have a horse and I look at him and my eye doesn't stop at all and I look at their top line and go, oh, or something sticks out at me. <laughs> If you have a, such a really good top line horse and you feel like the braids are going to make them look better, then I do it. If I have a horse that little bit has a weak top line or maybe doesn't have or less top price range, a horse that maybe is not in the higher price range, it really depends on the horse. It's just like someone getting a haircut, the same thing. You know, does this haircut look better on this person or not? It's the same with the horses. Me, I have some horses I have in my barn that I look at and they, I think they look more attractive with braids in and I have some that I'm like, they got such a beautiful top line or they look good enough without the braids. I've done it both ways in, in my program. It just really depends on the horse. Do they have a long mane? If they have a long mane, do you do a running braid? Yes. Do you long braids? Yes. You don't leave the long mane like a Frisian or Andalusian just flapping in the wing because it kind of distracts from the framing of the horse. But I have done both. It depends really on the horse. And then a lot of it's just preference on what kind of buyer I'm, I'm presenting it to as well. But manes need to be pulled if they're not braided. And in a, I guess, a professional way, they don't look like some of the them with scissors. <laughs> yeah. But again, just going back to that same thought of just presenting your horse in the best light possible. You know, I always compare it to a little bit to not dating, but like to your cars, you know, your cars, it's, it's pride of ownership. You know, you, you want to detail your horse per se. And, and Julie, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I kind of in the same line as Lindsay. And I think also it kind of depends on the horse be in the sense that like, you know, I feel if you're going to be doing a video for a horse that is like schooling all the Grand Prix and has a really big price tag, it takes you 20 minutes to throw braids. And I think like, you're expecting these people to spend a ton of money on this animal, throw some braids in there. But if you're trying to sell, you know, a lower level horse and, or a little bit younger, or I, I think it's okay to not have braids in there. I don't think it's like necessarily a big no, no, but I think there's a time and place where like braids should be put in there. Got it. And what about, what about photos? So let's transition to what are you looking for when you do photos? Julie, do you want to take that one? And then Lindsay, you can jump on as well. Sure. So like I said a little bit earlier, I think it's really important to have good quality pictures of your animals. I mean, professional shots are the best. I'm not saying they're required. But again, it's a little bit like, who's your market, right? Are you trying to sell this horse for a ton of money? Then maybe you should spend a little couple hundred bucks and get professional headshots, professional shots of him standing, and then get really nice shots of him under saddle that show 
a good uphill frame and the legs are in the right place and the rider is sitting nicely, the mouth is quiet, the ears are perked. Um, again, it's all about first impressions. If you have a picture where the horse's neck is all twisted or it's tucked to its chest or it's all blurry and you can't really see the horse, then it's not going to catch the buyer's eye as easily as those nice professional shots. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, I like the analogy of, you know, uh, being on, uh, on, a, on a dating app and presenting your horse well. <laughs> so uh, uh, I've got to, you know, maybe ask a touchy subject, but what is, what should be the cost? Like if, if somebody's looking to get a professional to market their horse and, you know, to, you know, kind of ha- use their connections, what, what, what's the charge? It depends. As in Wellington, it's going to be a lot different than like where I used to live, which is Seattle or, you know, California was more of our quote, Wellington and the West coast. I think a lot of that depends on where you're living. Um, but when you're in these hubs where, you know, obviously Wellington is a hub for looking at dressage horses, prospects, schoolmasters, Grand Prix horses. But I think the cost would be, you're going to have to put the horse in training would be my guess. Um, yeah. you're going to have to do the pre-vetting, which is expensive. Um, you know, depending again on where you're at in the country, the vetting, the pre-vetting of full set of films, it varies, you know, on each vet, but you know, you're no, you're not spending any less than two grand doing film. It's worth it though. In the end, I can tell you I've had horses in my barn that I have had pretty large price tags on and the owner did not want to do the pre-vetting. And it was heartbreaking when the horse, I mean, it was one in particular was like three days. There was a, a niche horse. It was smaller. It did everything through the I2 and it was a good age. And, you know, they vetted it and it just, it went from almost a six digit horse to like $25,000 on the vetting. And they had already spent, you know, the time and the training and it just would have been good to know before they spent all that money. Right. So first and foremost, before you go to a professional, if you seek advice from a professional, they should tell you to do a pre-vetting. Even if you're selling a horse for $25,000 or 20 grand, which in our market, it is a lot of money in general, but for our market, it's the lower end for a starter horse and dressage. And I would do it because you would be spending, let's say sometimes three months of training, waiting for that horse to sell. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, gosh, my horse is not worth more than 10 because of the findings on these films. I've seen that so many times in the industry. So first and foremost, that would be the first thing I would do is the vetting. Second of all, you need to find a trainer that is known for not only selling horses, but moving them. So some people will like are really good dressage trainers, fantastic hands, produce great horses. They're just not really good at sales. And a lot of my colleagues, Julie and I have a lot of colleague friends that are like, Hey, will you do this for me? I'm just, I'm a trainer. I don't really want to, I don't have time for sales. And so that's another thing to look into. I don't want anybody to be misled in a professional being a dressage trainer, but they're just not good at sales. So look, look at their sales list on their website. Are they turning horses over? Ask them, how long does it take you to turn a horse over? Is it 60 days? Is it 30 days? Is it 90 days? Because I do a lot of that. I'm like, if you want to price your horse this, because everybody thinks their horse is worth a million dollars, 
we can price your horse here, but it's going to take me a long time to sell it, even with this good bedding. So I'm very honest. I'm like, look, with this price, I you're going to be here a while. Or I'm honest and say, you're not, I'm not personally going to be able to get this price for your horse. Um, yeah. I like to sell horses personally as a trainer in, I don't want them longer than 60 days because honestly, you're going to see that horse being marketed and you'll be like, why is it still there? Like, why is it still there? They should be moving within 45 days. In my opinion, every horse I've ever had and I have sold successfully has never been longer than 60 days, unless I had it in training prior to the marketing. Okay. All right. So yeah, if you're going to hire somebody, make sure they're good at what they, at, at what they do. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And if I can add a little bit to what Lindsay said, you know, like we're not trying to sound like you should hire us to do this, but sometimes people don't necessarily realize the amount of work that goes into selling these horses. I mean, we're talking about doing the videos. We're talking about taking these pictures Then the horses need to be kept in work this whole entire time. But then marketing these animals and responding to the hundreds of people that will comment, that will contact you, that will ask you a million questions. And then you'll have people that will come and try the horse. And then this person works, this person doesn't, this, that. I mean, it, it's time consuming. If you're a person yeah, that is media not following. used, yeah. if you're a person that is not used to doing this, it is going to be very overwhelming. And then there's also, you know, closing the sales. Like, do you have a sales contract? Do you know how to be there for vetting? Do you know how to take care of everything that goes between A and Z? Because there's a lot of steps between saying, I'm going to sell my horse and having it sold and having the money in your account and the horse is on a truck and it's gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important that there's social media. There's, I mean, there, it's a, it's kind of a full-time job. I mean, on top of, in a lot of these amateurs, at least all my clients are working. So they are wanting someone to take that off their plate for, you know, and that's another thing. I don't know if that even comes into this and the cost, but, you go in the percentage of what they're going to take on top of the sales. So you have, you're going to be in board and training, you have your vetting. And then the third thing is going to be the commission to these trainers that are, are basically taking time out of their day to schedule. I mean, cause a lot of these times you're dealing with people at a less than fantastic timing. Um, they come in, they fly in, they, they vetted a horse and maybe didn't work out. They, Hey, can we look at your horse at five? And you're just scrambling to get the horse out to, to show them. And that happens a lot. Yeah. But those are the and you're expenses. answering messages until 10 p.m. at yes. night, too, because people yes. will contact you at any time of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 yes, uh, they they're at home browsing. Yeah. Browsing the sales they're pages. Excited. And yes. yeah, yeah. They, they think you should be available to them whenever. And, well, and, and then you know, and say they're going to come, and then and then you know you're waiting, waiting, waiting. You rearrange your day, and and they don't show up. You know, and that's yeah, that's a, a that whole, there oh. is a, yeah, there that's is my a, favorite. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, do not yeah, do yeah, if you're a buyer. <laughs> We're going to do that. We're going to do a do not do as a buyer, girls. We're going to come back on <laughs> yes. and do that because that's really important. Um, be, but I wanted to go back to sort of the commission and talking about that real quick because that's that's very important because it is a lot of time and effort on everybody's mm-hmm. part. 
But the sales agents, right? If you hire an agent, number one, you just need to be upfront about what it's going to cost. You know, so so you may actually need to talk about that and add that to the price of the horse, right? You need to be very upfront with just like anything else, what do you charge and how how much and what services are you going to provide? And I think that's also important to make sure that that gets that is very clearly discussed. So there's no hurt feelings or there's nobody getting upset. If you know exactly what somebody's going to do, then that's easy to track. And you can say, okay, you know, I want to see the ads or there's going to be an ad going up every three days or or whatever it is. And then, you know, a hundred percent people need to be paid for their time. And that just needs to be discussed up front. So if if it is yeah. your first time selling your horse, you know, all these things, just talk to the person that you're working with and, and, and have it laid out because then, then it's, then you can understand what you're doing. And so I think that's super important. If I can add to that a little bit, I think that that goes in hand with what Lindsay was saying about doing your due diligence about who you're hiring, because, you know, unfortunately there are some people that are out there that will tell you that, you know, I can do this and I can do that. And then, you know, the horse goes or whatever. And then you hear crickets for, for months on end. So it is very important to do your due diligence, do your research, look up who you're planning on hiring to take on the sale. And, and, you know, you need to feel like there's some sort of a trust that's built between that person and you. Yes. And I would be upfront too. Like I would like this horse. I always tell my clients how long or ask them, I should say, how long do you want this horse in the market? Like how long do you want him here or her? Yeah. And they tell me, mm-hmm. and I have to say from a trainer's perspective, a lot of people are like, well, I put $40,000 of training or $20,000 into training on this horse. I have to say as a trainer to someone, if they've had $20,000, let's say they pay $25,000 for this horse. And they put $30,000 into the training and they bring me this horse and they're expecting to at least get 50 for it. And then I see the x-rays and there's just so many things wrong in the film. I have to say, just because you put a lot of money into training, sometimes it does not come out at the end for the horse to be worth more, depending on the age of the no. horse, the horse's soundness. Yeah. It's hard because they're not, it's again, I always compare it to a little bit like a car. You have two cars with the same amount of mileage. Did the one person change the oil, get the, you know, the tires rotated? Did they go in and get it serviced? And then you have the other person, the same amount of miles, but they have never done any of the services. The oil is always changed late. Um, they just haven't, they've smoked in it. I mean, there's, there's different types of, I guess, horses at the same level. And I always tell my clients that, Hey, if you put $20,000 in the train and the horse, you feel sometimes it's not worth more, whether they hit a physical um, limitation or that they are just not the horse for that client, whether it be temperament or the way they feel for the rider. It, it's something I really want to kind of just be, I guess, loud about because I feel like sometimes people feel entitled to the fact that they've put all this money in this horse and maybe they won't get that back. And I'm, I'm just always yeah. honest as a trainer about those things, the timeline of which I think they can sell. Obviously, like Reese just said, I'm honest about my my commission. And then I'm honest about what I think I can sell that horse for with all the findings in front of me and me sitting on the horse and kind of evaluating it. Yeah. And I I think also, if I can just add to that, I think as owners, if you're going to hire an agent, 
don't hide anything from them. That is like, yeah. that is a complete don't for me. I've had that done to me and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't work surprise. for anybody, right? Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, like, I mean, you're, you're forming a bit of a partnership like. on the, on the, on the sales end of, of the horse. And, and we all understand that horses are unique and, and, and all of that, but uh, yeah, you don't want, you don't want any surprises. On, on, in, no, in any and as an agent, and as an agent, it's my job, at least for me, I always try to really find the most suitable home for animal that you're bringing to me. Like that's part of my job. Yes, it's to get you money, but I also don't want to send this horse somewhere that's not going to work out. And then we're going to have issues afterwards. Like it, it's a combined jointure in the way that like, yes, I want to get you paid, but yes, I want a, a good outcome for this horse. And it's, it's not well, it's, always easy. It's your reputation on the line. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, so it true. could be minor details. It, it could be a minor detail to you, but at the end of the day, it can be a deal breaker for somebody else. So right. these things need to be told up front person that you're hiring. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Well, yeah. ladies, this has been so fun and so educational. If you don't mind, Lindsay, tell us how we can find you online. And then Julie, how can we find you online? So we can get your guys' contact information out if anybody has any more questions to ask you guys. Well, I'm on Facebook on Instagram. Um, it's Lindsay O'Keefe. And on Instagram, it's the same way. It's Lindsay O'Keefe Dressage. Fantastic. And Julie, how can we find you? And same thing for me. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, life keeps me pretty busy, so I'm not super active. But if someone sends me a DM, I will answer. <laughs> uh, awesome. Julie Chanel is my name on Facebook. And then Dressage Channel with my last name on Instagram is how you can find me there. Fantastic. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Thank thank no problem. It was a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. If you have one or two horses or you have 20, 30 or more fly predators will make the difference between heavy infested fly problem or a no fly zone. Balding lab fly predators catching these flies before they become an issue. Well, tonight for our adult amateur spotlight, I am so excited to have one of my students and friends, Camilla Jamison on the line. Camilla, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you because we met, oh goodness, we met last year, kind of last summer. It was kind of warm and you have the most wonderful horse. So I want every, I want you to tell everybody about a little bit about yourself and a little about Artie, and then we're going to talk about your journey together. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Camilla. I'm a, an equine veterinarian. I'm an internist by trade and I am currently a associate professor of large animal emergency medicine at Purdue, but it has been quite a journey to get here. So I was working overseas in Qatar for four years um, at a big equine hospital over there. And as my sort of coming home present to myself, I had been riding a lot um, for a bunch of different people, just kind of picking up rides here and there for the four years that I was over there doing some low level, like medium level dressage. And, but, you know, not really did not have a horse of my own, was picking up a bunch of different rides on a bunch of different people's horses and decided kind of as my treat to myself coming home through um, actually looking for horses with another client and another trainer who I used to work with when I worked back here in the States, I 
happened across this horse who was a Grand Prix schoolmaster gelding who had some medical issues, has a history with ulcers, has a history with uh, equine asthma, and was not outside of my price range and ended up kind of taking the leap and deciding to buy him. And that's how I got Artie, imported him in um, end of April, 2022. I got home to the States in the middle of May, 2022. And we are, what's the date today? One week shy of our one year anniversary of me meeting him. So oh, I love yeah. it. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't try him, right? You, you saw videos. No, of no. Him. I yeah. saw some videos of him. Yep. Where was he located? He was in Holland. And honestly, I couldn't actually tell you where in Holland he was. Oh, that's, that's okay. It's not, it's not a huge was, place. No, I was looking at radiographs for horses that, so my old, old trainer, who's just a friend, not my trainer anymore, but she was when I was in high school. I was like Skype vetting horses for them and randomly just kind of casually was like the guy who they were looking at horses with was like, Oh, Camilla, you should think about Artie. I was like, Oh no. And like three days later, he sent me a bunch of videos of him and I was like, okay, well he looks great and he's in my price range. And so uh, I just wanted to ask you about like being a vet yourself uh, and an internist, like, how did you feel about just buying him without putting hands on him? You know, like, like doing even just the basic, uh, you know, eyes, ears, heart kind of uh, yeah. kind of check, you know, like. So how, I'm how did, very, yeah. very lucky. Um, I have. So Jesse, the trainer who I was talking about before, um, we have another mutual friend who I have met a number of times who is a vet locally in Holland. And so she pre-purchased him for me. So I know her very well. And I know her, we've worked together buying horses for a number of clients. And I've been very, very happy with her level of critique of horses. So she was the one who did the pre-purchase on him. But I still hated it. I really (laughs) wanted to fly over and vet him myself. But it just, there was no way with moving home and wrapping up one job and that that was going to happen. So. I would say, I think where Philip is going with this and, and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to pick it up real quick at, at the football. And that is uh, not the best idea to buy a horse off a of video. Um, but yeah. I've done it. I feel, I don't know if you've done it. I, I did it. Um, my, the last horse I, I would, purchased. Yeah. I would never do it. I have to look a horse in the eye or just yeah. kind of, you know, put hands on them at least. Yeah. That's right. So I, I bought a horse kind of like Camilla during COVID. Uh, my really <laughs> mm-hmm. good friend Zitska, she was my roommate at Mr. Schumacher's, you know, I couldn't go. It was, it was, we had the money, yeah. we had the funds, we found the video. Um, you know, it was the first time I normally would have flown over, uh, but it wasn't an option. So uh, she went and tried him for me. So I, I guess where I'm going with this is if you have, um, you, you know, again, if you have a trusted friend, that's always good yeah. if you can't go. And I bought a three-year-old, so I, I really wanted her to tell me about his um, disposition. That was her main goal. So I felt really comfortable mm-hmm. doing that. But I think if you are going to do it by video, you really, really, really need to have somebody put hands on it that you really trust. Yeah. So, sorry. But Artie came. No, I would completely agree with that. Yeah. And I guess yeah. the only other thing I would say is I had a little bit of a, like, backup in my mind of like I know like he has a very solid show record and he has a lot of talent and I was like well if this horse absolutely doesn't work out for me I can probably sell him again 
Because I know he has clean yeah. x-rays and well, I know that, he vetted well. Right. And he was a so, Grand Prix horse. He had shown, I think, yeah. you know, I think that the idea was okay. So I think if you're going to do it, be, but, but I wouldn't recommend anyone else do it. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> but that leads into kind Thank of, you for that. Of, yeah. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Yeah. yeah that leads no, I mean, into, no, I shouldn't say the stupidest. It is the no. riskiest thing I've ever done. Like it was. Yeah. And it's been a challenge. No, I would and not recommend it to anyone. Right. And that's where we're going to go with this, right? Because this has not been, I mean, we're going to tell you the story is, is turning out, going to turn out great, but I mean, it's been a very challenging year, hasn't it? It's not yeah. been easy. For oh you. yeah. It has been humbling on so many different levels. So yeah, no, it was not that I ever expected it to be easy, but it was so much harder than I ever anticipated. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of, um, horses in general and then on top of that dressage for sure and you know kind of trying to make a partnership work and like there's so many mm -hmm. uh levels of potential complications that um yeah i don't think anyone would ever say that that uh, the sport is easy or dealing with a horse is you know is challenge free oh no yeah and then you add the sort of I know Reese and I have joked about like the arranged marriage aspect of it. I was like, well, we're in this. I've bought this horse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now, now you're responsible for Figure making it, out, it work. Right? And, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Let's talk about making it work because you got it with, um, kind of at the end of May. I think I met you at the mm -hmm. end of July. Yeah. So I think it was the end of July. Time. You had a little bit of time to get to know him and then mm -hmm. um, you came to us, right? Yes. So yeah, I had had him June, July, yeah, like eight weeks when we came to you. He'd right. been in the country probably 10 or 11 weeks because he actually got here a little bit before I got home. But yeah, we, it was probably like almost eight weeks to the day. Yeah. And you had been traveling a lot. Like it had been, it had been a challenge right through that period of time. Yeah. Things had not been like super smooth. I mean, he, <laughs> things were not smooth with this horse from get go. He was in quarantine in New York and he was supposed to get picked up by the hauler and be taken to Kentucky. And they did not release him from quarantine in time. And he missed his bus. And so oh. my train, so Jesse, who also was importing another horse for herself, like they'd flown over together. She like called me. It was like the middle of the night, kid hard time. She's like, I have your horse on my trailer. Like, I don't know what you want to do, but they kicked him out of quarantine and I'm taking him back to my farm. So he went to Vermont for three weeks and then him, I got, I took him to Kentucky with me when I moved to Kentucky. Right. So, okay. And you were, you were changing and, and yeah, changing jobs. And I mean, there was a yeah. lot going on for you in your life, but we got yeah. him here to our farm and we can kind of pick the story up from there. Right. With, um, yeah. you know, we were all and he had traveled hard. Yep. And it had been a rough adjustment on him, just like physically, mentally, the whole thing. And then it, him and he and I didn't know each other. Yeah. We exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can speak to that as well. Like we did not. Right. And, and that, that's where it kind of came in where it was good to bring him here. And I think once he kind of got here and he got the routine of like kind of being back in, in a dressage barn, he had not gone to a dressage barn. He'd gone kind of to a boarding facility. And I think when he got here, he kind of, he, he plugged in with all the other yeah. uh, divas we have here. <laughs> dressage divas. <laughs> yeah. And the schedule. I mean, yeah. he, the schedule he was is like, oh. 
home finally. Yeah. He knew he understood, you know, he, he understood the yeah. schedule it was a similar schedule that he was used to. And we, yeah. we, for a while, I think I wrote him for the first couple weeks, um, just to kind of get him fit, get him kind of, he was yeah. a little bit fuddled as well. Like he needed a little bit of just confidence again, like, okay, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we, we started kind of combining forces a little bit and you were traveling a lot too. It was, you had a lot going yeah. on in your life. Yeah. So, so it kind of worked out. You kind of basically said, take him for a month, ride him <laughs> yep. and get him organized, which we did. And we had to find bits. Mm-hmm. We had to find saddles. Yeah. You know, we had the whole, whole package to find, mm-hmm. which I would say, if you do buy a horse in Holland, you know, try to get as much tack as you can over there that, yeah. you know, fits. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And it, it was also and the horse is used to, yeah, you've got to keep, yeah. yeah I mean, you got to do your, do a good job of uh, not changing too much because their whole life changes when they're, when, when they, yeah. you know, with the flight and, and blah, blah, blah. So you want to keep exactly. as much as possible, you know, being the same. And yeah, we yeah. also, we had a great, he had a great friend here. Like he had a really good turnout buddy. They two older geldings. They like loved each other. So turnout went really well because they really enjoyed being out together. Um, yeah. So we were able to, he didn't have a friend before and that made him nervous. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. some management stuff we had to figure out. We had to work on some ulcers. We had some ulcers yep. going on. That's so we had always to- an ongoing thing. We're scoping him again mm-hmm. tomorrow. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit him. He's, he's a really yeah. kind guy, but he's that kind of very chill personality. Um, that I can, I don't know. It's my theory. I see also he's very like kind of internally stuff. stressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty classic. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and so then let's start talking about riding because riding yeah. for a while was humbling. I mean, you are a very, very accomplished human being. You're such a cool person. You've <laughs> lived all over the world. You travel all over the world. You were, you know, lived in Qatar and were, you know, you're a huge veterinarian, you know what I mean? Not physically, sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you're yeah, very, you very well-respected yeah. veterinarian throughout the world. Yeah. And it is very humbling, wasn't it? To In the beginning. I, yeah. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> and I mean, I did not, I would have never said I was a particularly great rider. And like, and I knew that I had bought a horse with far more skills and talent than I possessed. But yeah. I mean, that, I, that I, was I kind of the point. Yeah. That I was, was like, that's the point. Yeah. That, you know, he's kind of getting, getting up in there, done that kind of type that's going to help you learn. But, um, I, I know exactly. it, it's more like starting scratch, starting from scratch when, when, even if you have an educated horse, you have to, you know, learn their balance and, and learn how to keep your own balance. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so, so much more challenging. You know, you can always feel like, Oh, I have no idea how, how to ride all over again, you know? And frustrating. Absolutely. And, and it was right? like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, that I have learned so much about biomechanics and my body and horses bodies and how they work together and how to build on those things. Like I, there was so much that I didn't even know that I didn't know, right. which <laughs> is always the one of the, you know, if you know, you don't know it, you know how to fix it. But if you don't even know that you don't know it and that's yes. where, I mean, when we came to you, Reese, we were, that's where I was. I was like, I can't even make, I remember like, I was like, I can't make this horse trot. Like our first lesson, right. I was like, I, I, I cannot make my Grand Prix horse trot. He would just, passage. I can walk him on the buckle. <laughs> I was like, right. I can walk him on the buckle or we can passage and that's it. So, uh, there's two things. 
Right, right. And then canner, <laughs> we did a lot of canner pirouettes. I was like, oh, whoa. And a lot of accidental canner pirouettes, yes. Yeah, we, we oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, part of it too was we really had to work on our fitness. And, you know, thankfully yeah. here at the barn, we all worked on fitness together. I mean, it was like a, you know, it's a constant <laughs> yeah, yeah, effort. But we were really, we did, uh, in September, we did 30 sit-ups for 30 days. We did 30 for 30. Um, mm-hmm. where we, we all were like, how are you doing with your sit-ups? Like we all kind of embraced it. And then yeah. you really embraced fitness and yoga. You did a ton of yoga, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. every day. And that has been such a big thing for me. I mean, I've always, you know, worked out, gone for a jog here and there, but like just being like absolutely consistent and absolutely like sh- as strict with myself as I would be about riding or, you know, his regimes is like, I have to keep up and hold, uphold my side of the deal, you know, from the, and a a huge amount of it was like hip mobility and lower back mobility and flexibility, as well as just baseline cardio fitness for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I know it was all of that flexibility component was so that I think that was one of the hugest breakthroughs, you know, was really realizing how much, how how tight and how unaware I was of a certain kind of block blockage. I don't yeah. know what you want to what yeah. you call it, but yeah. Well, and, and, and where, because of not being aware, and again, you're a fit person. So I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Um, but you would move parts of your body that you didn't know you were moving, but he knew right. <laughs> he was like, Oh, yeah. I need to do this exactly. and I need to do that. And you know, that was where a lot of the, the, complications because, you know, I kept saying, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you are literally driving a Ferrari, you know, you have got to sit still (laughs) and you've got to know what all your pieces are doing. So you're not hitting gears Mm -hmm. that you don't even understand that you're hitting. And that took a while to like really embrace that. Um, Mm -hmm. because at first you're like, no, I'm not. I was like, Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> he just did a flying change yeah. as yeah. you made a turn because you shifted your seat. And as soon as you mm-hmm. shift your seat, he's going to feel that. And he's going to do, he's going to do the flying change. So right. I think that was really something that was, it was, fr- that was part of the frustrating part. But once you really studied biomechanics and you really worked on your yoga and your body, that was when a huge shift came. Yeah. And yep. uh, the other thing was, which was hard for me and for you in in some ways and great in other ways is you've got a wonderful offer at Purdue. So you yeah. had to move. We finally got you settled. We, you know, you were happy. We were happy. We had a routine. We were, I had the barn. We had, we have an amazing barn family. So everything was rocking and rolling. It was perfect. And then it was yeah. kind of perfect. And then you, you had to move. And yep. so that kind of created a whole different challenge for us, didn't it? As we were mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell now everybody about that. I mean, you were able to find the barn, you know, we were able to kind of get that all organized, but then we kind of had to, I was also leaving for Florida. So, um, you know, we we had this big, like this big change on everybody's parts. Like I came up here and you went to Florida and we had to like adjust to the whole independence of that of like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And going to Pivo lessons and which are Mm -hmm. amazing. And I don't know what I don't genuinely don't know where I'd be without that, but Exactly. We were able to stay you know, together because we goodness. we talked about that, right? We talked yeah. about, okay, we want to stay training together. Um, and, mm-hmm. but you know, that is where that's the hard part with the PIVO lessons, right? Cause I'm not hands-on. So we went from right. four days a week, hands-on. And then here at the farm, if you rode six, I'm still, I'm still watching. <laughs> uh, right. At all times. Exactly. 
to yep. and having the safety blanket, the safety net of if I wasn't getting something or it wasn't going quite right or it wasn't clicking, being able to be like either asking you to show me or you being like, hey, he's getting confused. Like, let me jump on him or like, let's change, you know, and we had Jet as well. We had a mm-hmm. great working student at that point who also could yeah. jump on him. And, you know, there were so many options for how to get through things. And then all of a sudden there was no other option. Yeah. It was I mean, you. I could have you in my ear, but it was right. It was me. We yeah. had to figure it out. <laughs> so, so let's pick the story up there because you did a great job. I mean, yeah. that was, that was hard. I mean, we, I could, we pivoted sometimes three times a week. I mean, in the beginning we yep. pivoted the a lot. first couple of weeks. I think we pivoted. Yeah. Like, cause we left in the middle of the month. So we just were like, okay, you were, I mean, you were amazing about that. You were like, here, why don't you just have the rest of your, your board? <laughs> like, yeah your training package. And yeah, I think you were in my, I think, I think we did four days a week for the first like mm-hmm. month. Yeah, and we did. We did a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had and to figure you know, people out, was, which was, yeah. it, you kind of have to have a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always want to participate, but most of the time. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, I mean, that was, I think honestly, there is a way that that has been one of the most empowering things for me and something that I've really seen a shift in my relationship with Artie, but also like it, that honestly coming here and having to like work through all of his or our glitches together and work out how to be independent and be like, there's no one coming to save you. It was that aspect of it that was so scary and so hard. And I'm not going to lie. There were days where, you know, there were days when we were first here where I was in tears. There were days where I was like, I couldn't even get him to come down to me on the lunge. And I was like, I'm not even getting on this horse because it's going to end in tears. Yeah. Yep. And we, and we had a protocol, like, right? We, we talked about that. We're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, let's start with this. We started with lunging the side reins because we felt like mm-hmm. that really helped them. I mean, we, we kind of had a, a pretty good plan on, okay, if this happens, try this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we did do a lot of lunging, which um, yep. because he, he tends to want to be a little bit stiff on his top line and that seemed to really help him. And like you said, once mm-hmm. he got loose, then you ha- were more successful with riding him. Yep. Um, that wouldn't necessarily, necessarily have been how we did it if you had been here, but that was what we decided for, for the, for your journey was what we were going to do. But again, Mm -hmm. it empowered you to know when to get on him, when to to not, what you needed Mm -hmm. to work on when you got on him. Right. That was also really good. Yeah. And the other thing that like, and I start, you know, I started doing this when I was there and just talking about again, about like the fitness and like holding up my side of the bargain is like, I did not, obviously I know riding is a sport. I know dressage is a sport, but there is a way in which I would not necessarily always, you know, warm up and drink enough water and do all of those things, especially because we would usually train in the morning and I was often working nights. So I would just yep. come straight from work and yep. there'd be, it would just be that much more rushed. And that's another thing that's made a huge difference is like, I hold myself so accountable to that. Like if I don't have time to warm myself up and to warm him up properly, I either don't ride that day or we just like, honestly, sometimes I just bareback hack him on the buckle and we just yeah. walk around outside just to stretch his legs. You know, we do not, I do not even attempt to school him unless I have enough time and enough like 
I've done held up my side of the bargain and to warm myself up and to stretch and to show up right for him and to warm him up and then to have a good schooling session. And that's made a huge difference is like, yeah, it means I don't ride if I don't have two hours at the barn. But right now that's where I'm at with him. And maybe, you know, given his age and my body and who we are, that may always be who, you know, make a plan, make a plan that's going to mm-hmm. work. And then you have to strict, be strict about staying on it because, exactly. um, you know, you, you, to, to say, to stay on a good way is, um, is the most important thing. And yeah. I think if you deviate from a successful plan, then you only have, yourself, yourself to, blame. to blame. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it's a good thing to yeah. realize. And, and, uh, you know, a, a good tip for everyone is to say like, if I had a good session, I have to identify how does that happen and how do I continue to do that? Right. And how do I build on these things? Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, when we started doing, you know, Reese was so good about that. We started doing exactly that before I left, before we moved barns. And that's how we came up with a plan. I was like, okay, these are the things that set us up for a really good day. And these are the things, these are the patterns that happen when we maybe don't have a good day. So we're going to make sure we don't do those and make sure, you know, it's only fair to him to hold myself really accountable to set us up for the best day we can have. No, for sure. So tell us, I mean, what are you guys working on now? What are the goals? I mean, now you've had them a year. And I think <laughs> that whole, I tell people it takes a year to get to know a horse. And I think yeah. um, maybe even more with a schooled horse, <laughs> because those horses are coming in. Uh, they've already had a career. You know, he had a whole life in Holland. Yeah. He lived at the same barn his whole life with the same yeah. rider. And it, the rider was a man as well. No offense, Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But <laughs> that, you know, he went from, from a very tall Dutch man to, um, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not a, he, you know, you're not a, you're a normal size. I'm not lady. itty bitty by any no. means, but I'm not a six you're, foot four, 240 yeah. pound Dutch man. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Who is right. Who is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so, um, kind of what, what are you guys working on? Cause now we're starting to get into some good stuff, aren't we? I know. Uh, now I mean, it's, yeah, we're finally getting to the really fun part. So we're going to our first show next weekend. Yeah, We're going to just go and explore the adventures of showing together. And we're going so, to I non-compete, mean, right? We're just going to the horse show, right? Is that, I can't remember. We're, we're I, just, we're, I mean, I think I'm going to ride a test, but it is a 4-H charity show. So I would yeah. say effectively it is non-compete, but I, I'm going to yeah. ride a test in front of a judge. But yeah, exactly. The, it, there's only that or ride around in the warm-up arena. Or I was offered the option of you can join the speed class and run barrels in your dressage saddle. And I was like, well, That's I won't be doing idea. that. But thanks for the offer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a, you're going to you're not going to a recognized show for the first one. No, you're going exactly. to a local schooling it's a show local for fun. Charity show. Exactly. Yep. Right. With just, yep. let's see how it goes. And then we'll, we'll unpack how it goes. You know, um, we'll go back through, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll see how it goes, but you know, it's, it's now it's like, okay, we want to start showing, uh, he's 18 this year. So it's like, all right, what are we waiting for? We don't have forever. Um, so exactly. Yeah. 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 And what else are we working and, on? I mean, you know, we're starting to really work on some lateral work. We're starting to really work on, you know, developing gates and not just, you know, I feel like we're actually starting to finally work on riding and actually work on 
the core of dressage instead of just like, how do you get out of your own way so that the horse can do, I mean, can we do what he's being very, asked. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. just, you, we weren't working on connection and suppleness and, you know, and we were working on walk truck camera staying on. Yeah. yeah. Basically. But we were working yeah, on not, not falling confusing, off. Like and staying not, out of his way and not confusing him yeah. and trying to be balanced yeah. while he's moving. I mean, those are huge that, things. That, that's the basis. Yeah. yeah. I would say we spent six months just me learning to stay out of his way. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. With, and with we're not some always there. No. And we even taught you to Piaf. We're like, okay, we're, which is not necessarily something I would do all the time. True. But like, okay, these are the aids for Piaf. And when he does yep. that, this is what you're going to do. And when he does it yep. and you're not, make sure you're not doing that. Make sure you're not exactly. It was happening. So, you know, there has to be some fun and some sense of humor on it. Yeah. But, you know, it was really, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool journey to watch you do this. And and it's so yeah. fun to see you now. Cause it's like, okay, now it's actually really fun. And, you know, no offense. I can really, I'm really aware and having a good time also during your lessons in the beginning. Nice. <laughs> I would get yeah. a cup of coffee. <laughs> no, I love you. You know it. Um, yeah. no, for, for sure. Well, um, yeah. we are so proud of you guys. I mean, it's been such Aww. a fun journey and I think, yeah. I think a lot of people will resonate with your journey and are probably nodding their heads and or laughing in their cars as they're listening to this. Um, yeah, and I hope you so. know, but we're going to keep, we're going to keep following you on this journey because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm highly invested in you guys and I love you guys uh, and I love the story and, you. You know, it's so fun to see how successful you have been and and how much work you've put in on and in and out of the tax. So we're so proud of you guys. We're going to keep an eye on you guys. And uh, thank you for being our adult amateur spotlight. We appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the only other thing I would say is just like finding a trainer like you who just endlessly believes that you just the number of times you had to be like, no, you can do this. Like, don't sell him. Stick with it. Like it will come. It's really well, I think hard I said, right if now, gonna, but it will... Tell me what tree you're going to tie him to and what time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be there at 1201. <laughs> I'll be there one no. minute after. I will pick him up. No, but I'll exactly. But just having, having somebody who has that faith and like, you know, there was a bunch of times where I had to, I, driving home, I'd be like, she sees something. I'm like, she'd tell me to sell the horse if that was like the really right option. Yeah, no. Like, and, and I think that's true. You, know, you do have to have the, the right connection with your trainer. I think that that's yeah. really important, you know, and I think you and I had that from the very beginning, like the first day when yeah. I met you, I was like, mm-hmm. she is super cool. This is a really cool horse. <laughs> yeah. I know we Equally. can make this work. Yeah. We're just going to have mm-hmm. to figure out the plug and chug method. And sometimes it, it is a little faith in your trainer. And sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, and, and there were days where I'm like, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out the puzzle right now. So, and you were great. You, you, I was like, okay, let's try this. Let's try this bit. Let's, let's try Mm -hmm. this arrangement of riding. Um, and there was a lot of that that we had to do. And I, and I think that, that I'm, I was thrilled to be a part of the team and and continue to be part of the team. I mean, that's the the beauty of Pivo lessons and that we've been able to stay in touch and, um, you know, where you are, there's, it's not a wealth of, of trainers. So it, it, you know, it wasn't. And and we had a good thing going. So it was, it was cool that we were able to use the technology. Yeah. And I would have hated having to change trainers at that point. And I think it would have been really detrimental for, you know, the journey where we were at, like we were just starting to really put the pieces together. And I think it would change the whole program 
everything probably would have gone back to square one. So no, I I think it would have been tough. Thank you, I whoever do. invented Pivo. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Pivo, and and or any other any other ones that you use. So we're we're yeah, very thankful. Exactly. Well, <laughs> thank Not you so much for Pivo. your time. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we, we like it, but thank you so yeah. much for your time and your story. Yeah, I mean, it's you. been so fun. And like I said, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep in touch with you, girl. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was super fun. As horse owners, we spend a lot of time on the road. Let U.S. Rider help keep you covered. Our equestrian motor plan offers fast, reliable, nationwide service from our highly trained roadside assistance team. 24-7 coverage for both you and your horse. Membership includes horse trailer servicing, towing, flat tire repair, even on dual wheels, battery assistance, and lockout service on any vehicle in your plan. We also have your equine companions covered with referrals for emergency vet services, barrier referrals, and emergency stabling assistance. Get peace of mind on the road for you and your horse. Join U.S. Rider today. Well, for this week's trainer tip, we have international rider and trainer Patty Mayer on the line. Patty, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, trainer tips. So, you, you're asking about trainer tips, and I'm going to take. I'm going to steal someone's trainer tip because I always steal everything, right? Um, and it comes from the World Cup and watching and watching the jumpers school. And this one jumper rider had a horse who balked at the end gate, or essentially wouldn't go towards the first fence, which was away from the end gate. And this was in schooling. And he did something that was so smart and such good horsemanship. And I need to think, and I need to remind myself to do this, which is he changed direction. Instead of go, instead of trying to force the horse to go where the horse was like, yeah, hard no. He was like, fine, you don't want to go right. We're going to go left. Mm-hmm. And he made, and he got a nice confident, he, he did a nice confident thing to, the left or to the other direction, jumped his first fence towards the exit instead of away from the exit. (laughs) And the horse was fine. And the horse was fine. And I just thought that is so smart because I tend to, you know, I'll get obsessed with, you didn't do this thing I wanted you to do in the place I wanted you to do it. Sometimes it's not, sometimes the place is the wrong place and you can come back to that place later. And the the time is the wrong time. And it's not, yeah, he, he decided not to fight the fight and just to, to uh, you know, do something else, and it what you know, and yeah, and it, maybe it wasn't the horse's fault. Maybe the the horse couldn't see. Got spooked today. You know, it's yeah. a dark venue yeah. and whatever. It's just he didn't he didn't go in. You know, set up correctly. So uh, this this makes me think of you know our our books about horse anatomy and, and physiology, and 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 we uh, we uh, ha- had a, a book called Horse Brain, Human Brain. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not really great at being in indoor venues, which the World Cup is, is at. And they're not great at seeing inside when, when there's not enough yeah. light. So, you know, don't blame the horse. You know, do something else, gain some confidence, and, and then, boom, the problem's done, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, you don't have exactly. to. Exactly. He just. Yeah. I think you're right. It was so smart, and it was thinking like a horse. And I just think that's great. And you're totally right about changes in light. 
horses, horses eyes don't adjust as fast as ours do from light to dark. Um, and I think, I think the other way as well. So we, you know, you need to give them a moment and he just, and for whatever reason, he just, this guy just was fabulous. And so it's, it is, so it's somebody else's training, but I'm going to take it and tell you that I think it was just such good horsemanship. Well, I'm just going to add, cause I had an interesting thing happen today here at the farm. And part of it was we had a huge weather change. It went from 85 to 40 today from yesterday to today, we had a big storm. So it's really cold, right? So the, the Florida horses, their backs are just like, can't even, they're so tight. So this was not a Florida, this is a, a horse that had been here for the winter in Kentucky, but um, the owner was late for her lesson. She was obviously, you know, just, she was running behind. She was just like, I got to get on the horse. I got to get it. You know, and I look out and I see her trying to get on this horse and this horse is absolutely dancing. And I, I, my apartment is right by, I could see my, my ring. So I jump, you know, go outside. I was making a cup of tea and I went out and I said, Whoa, 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 time out. Like we need to think about what's going to be successful for us today, which is put that horse on a lunge line for five minutes. I know you're late for your lesson, slightly annoying to me, but I'm also all about safety and I'm all about success. And it was the same thing. Like this horse just needed a second to, I know the horse quite well. It's, it's actually lived here at my farm for several years. Like I know the horse really well. I could see what was going on, but even that, like take a second to take a deep breath and just warm the horse in the lunge line or, or walk the horse or whatever needs to be done because mm-hmm. it wasn't in that rider's brain that way. It was in that rider's brain of I'm late. I got to get on. I got to, and it was not going to be successful. And so I think that's super think, important to remember. And I think you're, and I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and interestingly, you know, as somebody who, you know, practiced law for years and had to ride before work or after work and was always in a rush, that is not a good way to ride. And it's almost yeah. impossible when you have a job, a career, a family to always be able to come in, take a deep breath, focus on yourself and your horse in a positive way. And it's super important to do. And I agree with you for safety reasons, for schooling reasons, for fairness reasons. So there you right. go. Right. So a great tip. I think that's just thinking as a horse, taking time, remembering what horses are good and bad at. I think it's really important and, and riding and, and, and riding your horse, not necessarily, you know, that guy was at the world cup. He had 90 seconds to get around the ring, but he knew what to do with his horse. He knew his horse and, and hopefully he's successful this week. We'll have to, we'll have to take a look at that. Well, Patty, thank you so yeah. much for your time. And how can our listeners find you online? Ah, well, they can email me if they, if people are old fashioned enough to email at bailiwickhouse at gmail.com. B for boy, A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K-H-O-U-S-E at gmail.com. Uh, they can look me up on Facebook. I have both of, you know, I've got a Patty Mare dressage page and a Patty Mare page. And how else? Oh, and they can text 310-729-3365. There you go. Fantastic, Patty. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Well, Phil, you met some listeners at the clinic, right? We wanted to give some shout outs to them. Um, I mean, they were all awesome. And but one particular person actually bought me lunch and that was Aww. amazing. So yeah, I wanted to thank thank her for that. And uh, and and all and everyone who is listening to this episode, uh, you know, it it's inspiring to, you know, whenever we meet you and and whenever, you know, they uh, show appreciation, whether it's through uh, uh, an email or, or over Facebook. That's, I mean, that's just, it, it makes it all 
worthwhile because you know it, it's not easy to you know come up with guests every week and and but but knowing that there's someone someone out there that appreciates <laughs> it and, and buys you lunch i mean anybody that buys the, the lunch, you lunch was, uh, amazing everyone yeah, snacks yeah. lunch any food phil will love you forever <laughs> <laughs> it's not he's not complicated it's awesome just well, give him I, some food typical guys that yeah the way to my heart is through my stomach so uh <laughs> that was very sweet no we love it we love our community it just really makes us smile so truly we love the emails and facebook shout outs and we and never feel bad about coming up and seeing us we we love it everyone's always so nice and respectful when they do. And and I always love it. It makes me smile. And and like Phil says, sometimes it, it just, it, we're staring at a computer screen. So uh, it's always nice to actually talk to our listeners. And don't forget our book club of the month is going on. Eric Smiley's The Sport Horse Problem Solver. What work, what doesn't, and how to make it better. Because um, I've been under the weather. I've been reading some of it and it's great. So we hope you really, really enjoy that. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our page at horseradionetwork.com. Search Dressage Radio Show. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. And if you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. 